Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most Morgan times, we go deep. <laughs> Today we're talking about the seventh episode in season seven titled The, the Portrait. Portrait. The Portrait. Uh, I have to read it that way so I know how to spell it. Uh, so wait, you're actually Sharon, you're having your Thanksgiving day in just a few hours. Yeah, my family um, does theirs on Sunday because we have people who work as nurses and such who are working on Thanksgiving. So we're doing ours today. Their schedules are weird. Yeah, but just like our schedules are weird. We can't record on time. <laughs> just lately. Well, to be fair to us, I, I tried to explain this to my parents the other day because, you know, I've been spending a little bit more time with them, you know, on Thanksgiving. And then also yesterday, my sister finally admitted to me, like, after a long time, I was like, well, I want you to hang out with me. I'm like, well, I don't care. Well, I, was, no, I, I Well, I, I do this thing and this thing this season takes a lot out of me. I realize we're recording two nights a week, technically. I mean, last couple weeks has been unavoidably... We've been recording on Sundays because that's like the last possible time we can in order to basically release everything out in time. But for the last several weeks beforehand, it was like, okay, you're, you're recording two separate nights per week, hopefully early enough. And then you're, I'm editing at least two nights per week. And then we're premiering two nights per week. So for those of you who've been doing the math, that's six nights out of seven possible nights a week. And then what's the seventh night? Doing everything else. So that's like a, a collective of hours where you're dedicating to putting out blogs, clips, and stuff. I'm getting help from Sharendy and, and Rach as well. But all of that's being is scheduling out clips and then blogs and social media and, and all this other stuff. And then seeing that there's Black Friday sales, celebrating Thanksgiving, because you have to take a break. So, you know, it all catches up with you. If, if, if anything happens at night, it all, it, everything else takes a backseat. So everything just gets pushed like another day, another couple hours, another couple days. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to kind of do all this all at once. So uh, that's where we're at. That's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> that's what you get. I want to start off by saying, hey, Jasmine, nice of you to join us on a Fear the Walking Dead breakdown for the first time, technically. Yeah, no, not even technically. We didn't even get a take from you for a Fear the Walking Dead episode, if I'm not mistaken. You've been mostly on our Walking Dead World Beyond coverage. A am I wrong about yeah, this, guys? This is the, this is, I think this is the first Fear one. Oh wow! Yeah, and this and this is the series you end up you kind of oh, like is, a lot is, more. This is my favorite series. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of World Beyond. <laughs> now, to be fair to you, obviously we've we've recorded Walking Dead World Beyond throughout the usually during the day, so that's mm -hmm. been available to you, and so you just take it just like a good soldier does. So we just talked about that in pre-show, <laughs> but now that you're here, it's kind of great. It's really great, especially with how much you like Morgan, and now everybody's gonna be. Ganging up on Morgan today. You <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, obviously, there are some elements who think that fuck Morgan this episode. I feel like that's where this is gonna go. So we might as well attack this right now. Get it, get <laughs> so, it, get it over with, and then yeah. I mean, let's I, just there's rip a the lot of aid. there are definitely a lot of other things in this episode that I. Uh, you know, have something to say about. I mean, not in a, not even in a bad way. Like there were a lot of parts of this episode. Meaning, that I, not just Morgan. Oh yeah, I mean, he's obviously a part of it, but um, there's there were some other parts that kind of struck me and gave me some questions that I'm excited to discuss with you guys. Excited? Well, I always. Well, that's that's why we do this. It's kind of <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of what I do. Like I'll I I need I need 
my questions answered. And so then I bring it to the group and then we hash it out and then I feel better. Damn. That's like, <laughs> no. And that's funny because I remember as I'm like reviewing the notes from the last Walking Dead World Beyond episode that we covered, you would ask a lot of questions. Oh. And, I, and I really, really liked that it, when I was getting the notes. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like anybody who, who may have had qualms or questions of why this or this or this happened. I think we just like knocked it. We just like check, check, check. Sharony came in, check, check, mm -hmm. check. It's kind of cool to, to see that in you. And then <laughs> hopefully we'll do the same in this episode. I guess what's the overall feeling about Morgan in this episode that gets you guys triggered? Sharon, let's start with you. <laughs> Not want to start with me. <laughs> right, uh, sorry. Well, let's do the soft sell and start with Jasmine. I think the episode says a lot more about Victor than it does about Morgan. What in particular jumps at you when it comes to Morgan, let's say? that, Or maybe you can be the anger translator <laughs> of this episode. Yeah, I think he, uh, he, did, he did something. He maybe didn't go about it the right way. But you, could, you can understand where he's coming from. In like in like poisoning strand because he's been out there for so long you know his friends have been turned away been barred from a safe haven all because of strand's ego really so you can understand why he might want to kill strand so let's talk about that specific piece so sharon so is is it the act or what he was trying to do or the way he went about it what was it about that specifically that you want to talk about about him trying to kill, kill strand, strand essentially if that's um, even what well, he was trying to do. Oh, don't even for, go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For someone we'll who is all about, you know, his, his whole thing has been like, oh, we're going to help everybody and all life is precious and I don't want to kill people if I don't have to. And for him to take the step of actually trying to murder Strand when Strand was doing some bad things, yes, but he did not do anything specifically against Morgan at that time. Because if you go back and watch, he poisoned the glass before Strand gave him the ultimatum about baby Mo and finding Alicia. So he decided to do that before he even really had a reason to do it. Like a valid, yeah, you know, I, Strand I, is threatening my, Strand's threatening my baby, my family. So did Morgan come in there with the express intent of killing Strand? Yes, the baby was sick, but did he also, did he use that as an excuse to come and try to kill Strand? Or was this something he decided to do when he got in there? Oh, look at this place. I need to kill Strand. Why? What is his end game in, in taking Strand out? And where would he have gotten the bottle from, too? That's a whole other side of that okay. question. No, well, we talked about what we that. figured, Rachel and I talked about that. And June says that some of the Rangers found it when they were looking for Prussian blue and brought it back in. Strand Rangers, I don't, right. Correct. Strand yeah. Rangers. I don't, Rachel and I talked about it, and there was not really anywhere that Morgan could have grabbed that bottle from inside. So my feeling is he had it, he may have gotten it from the same place that the Rangers found it and had it on him when he came in. Which shows well, intent. He, sh he right. arrived so with the he, poison. Baby Mo really was sick, but he used that as the pry bar to get into the tower. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so in terms of where, it could have also been from the sub, because as we figured out hmm. throughout this episode, what Howard and his people did was strip the comm of its, sorry, strip the sub of its comms, its internal comms before they left after raiding the sub, mm -hmm. which is inter an interesting tidbit. Like, okay, we're going to basically make it so you, whatever you want to try to do with this sub as a safe haven is not going to work. They take out all the hard wiring so that they can't intercommunicate. They're basically making it so that the tower is the only option, and yet I will still not let you in, essentially. So there's a cruelty in that. When you say 
Strand didn't do anything at that point. Every little thing that Strand does from denying people entry and separating siblings from one another to taking apart the communications tells everything I need to know about how far someone can be pushed before they feel like they have to do something in, in return. But what I wanted to do is point this over also to Rachel, because Rachel has said on several occasions, like, this guy's a bad guy. I mean, was, was X not enough? Was Y not enough? And so I wonder, and, and I'm going to get to like a direct response to this, but to answer the question that you had about being kicked into the pile of walkers, <laughs> well, here's, here's part of that response is, is Vic, uh, sorry, Morgan feeling like he has to do this to stop Victor from being whatever he's going to be from him doing it to somebody else that he loves, let's say, because it can't just be about him. Like, right. Who else in his group might he do the same thing to in order to achieve some sort of selfish aim. Because that's all it was. That's all Victor was trying to do in the sub. He was trying to selfishly steal the glory of saving all his friends. But what I really wanted to get to was this act shouldn't have been as strange to us as it seemed. Because just like a lot of other things that have been happening in this season, this is like a frog in a pot. Uh, was it the frog in the boiling water? Oh, I can't remember the exact expression. Like, when you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, but you, you increase the temperature, like, incrementally so it doesn't feel like it's boiling, right? That's literally what's happening with Morgan. He's doing these little, little tiny things throughout each episode that indicate, one, that he's progressed in some way, let's say. So it's not all him. Like, so Grace is, is more involved. He, they're like the dark horses on that end. You know, like, he, he and Grace. He has a family. He says, it's my baby. I think this is the first time I feel like he said, it's my baby as well by the way, in this episode. But then there are other things too. One of the things that we noted in... Six hours. Six hours. Mm -hmm. One of the things we noted that was kind of subtle was how he immediately shoots Fred and B after they ride off in the Ford Pinto with baby Mo in the back. And we're talking about unintended consequences. He does this in order to not repeat history, like which is basically his origin story. I refuse to kill Walker Jenny. Walker Jenny kills Dwayne. I'm responsible, therefore, for killing Dwayne, Dwayne Jones, his son. So he did not hesitate in this moment. And what could have happened? And this is interesting what happens here, both here in this episode and in six hours. For some reason, Vic Morgan, for whatever reason, is on the side of the angels because whatever he does wrong, thank goodness, doesn't turn out the way it could have turned out. In the episode with Fred and B, six hours, he shoots at the back of the, the hatchback and could have killed Baby Mo. The glass is all on top. It's in her crib slash <laughs> hazmat suit. Her capsule. Yeah, right. Her her sweet pea capsule is what I like to call it because <laughs> she looks like sweet pea from Popeye. Dating myself. And then uh, <laughs> Jasmine's like, what are you talking about? What, what is a Popeye. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I'm doing the things and still she must think I'm nuts. Anyway, so, but what happens in this episode? Morgan had no idea Arno and his men are, were coming. He thought he could, you know, get rid of Strand clean or at least make him, I, I don't know. I, I'm, it, this, Rach, believe me when I tell you, I, I know, I'm sorry. I, I came into this episode thinking he's for sure trying to kill Strand. And then this thought in the back of my mind is going, yeah, but why didn't he? Why didn't it work? <laughs> like, why? What, was it? Did he mean to kill him? Yes, he probably did. Okay, sorry. But then now I have to entertain the thought that maybe he was just trying to make him sick or 
I don't know, close to death or dying to appreciate him or well, no, no I, was I, I see what you're saying, but to what end? My question: if, if that yeah. if that it was his intent to just make him sick, what was the end goal here? So now I'm wondering because like I'm thinking about how it almost ended, right? How it almost ended up him being paranoid uh, sorry victor being paranoid and uh and then we have to work together and blah 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 and then to to do the things and then get rid of arno and but whatever how it could have ended until that last freaking moment where he sees morgan's blue thumb and then i wonder to myself maybe he poisoned him to find the cure set remember what we said about jadis uh, in the Walking Dead World Beyond, she's like, oh, maybe she's the one setting the fire so that she can get credit for putting them out. Like, you know, maybe that was Morgan's intent too. Mm. I really want to squash this because I don't like this thought. It's not clean. It doesn't make sense. This episode's already pretty psychologically convoluted, and I don't want to have to talk about this. Well, I what I irritated me the most about Morgan's actions um, was that he's been irritating us for a while now with, you know, what he says and his actions, but it was more Who's like... Us? The people who are upset with Morgan. <laughs> so, but but it was always like, you know, roll your eyes and like, ugh, shut up, Morgan. Like, it was more of an irritation. Like, this this was the first episode that really made me step back and go, whoa, who the, who the fuck is this guy? Like, Morgan is, is supposed yeah. to be yeah. this honorable, do the right thing, you know, take the high road always type of person. This, this character that we see goodness in, even though he irritates us, he's supposed to be a symbol of what's good. And then he yeah. attempts to murder someone. Yeah. There yeah. is no if, ands, or, but he tried to murder someone. And, and, and he did it so secretly. I mean, if I will say one thing for Strand, when he double stomped Morgan's ass into that herd of walkers, I mean, Morgan knew what was happening. He didn't yeah. do it sneaky. It was sudden. It was it <laughs> like, was sudden. I'm sure you don't want to see yeah. that sort of thing coming, right? right. But still, right. it was in his face. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know? Yeah, he didn't slip something in his drink. He he wasn't sneaky about it. like these. Like everything that we see Morgan do in this episode is anti Morgan. Well, define everything though. Well, okay, everything yeah, might yeah. be an, an overstep, but right. Well, I mean, but, the but attempted so murder. Shot- that's and you know what, yeah. something and maybe we don't point, expect from Morgan. It's so <laughs> shocking that yes. you're thinking, well, well, what am I supposed to think about Morgan from here on in? But it, it, it is like the frog uh, in the pot of boiling water. I can't, I don't, but, there's an, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's been doing things like this unbeknownst to us or like undetectably yeah. for the last several episodes. And I can see that. What you're saying is like, you know, the, the, the pot is boiling. Morgan is taking more and more shit. And now he's finally reached his breaking point. But Both my, good and bad. Both good and bad. Sure, sure. I mean, I mean, I can, you know, I'll absolutely recognize that. But I keep going back to, okay, what if he had succeeded? What if he did right, kill Strand? Right. What was his plan? What was this for? Did he really think he, like, was he planning on stepping in and taking over? Hell no. You know Demon Howard was going to step in and be like, all right, I'm running the show now, people. And he probably would have killed Morgan even faster than Strand did. Wanted so maybe, to. Maybe, maybe this is a good, a good opportunity to kind of just bounce reflect that back to you though like or maybe the answer to that is anybody but strand now is that Mm. something you'd agree with do i agree that that's morgan's thought process or would i like to see anyone but strand you personally no like no okay okay good fine no i would i would much rather deal with the enemy i know right the devil you know morgan has no idea what he'd be getting in howard that's kind of my point though um victor's own words is what i'm going to use as a response to this and I, I'm not being verbatim, but like he explains in one of the seasons, you know, what what happens when you back somebody into a corner. The artifice drops 
Mm. Right. So it, I remember he used the word artifice. Okay. That's it. <laughs> but it's, it's whatever is on the outside drops and then the real person emerges. So for said that to Madison in season four. Yeah. So I wonder what that means for Morgan. Thankfully, I think the both times that Morgan was impulsive and didn't adhere to what we would commonly see as his character, both times this happened, almost terrible, bad, calamitous things happened, but then they didn't. You know, so take, for example, killing Victor. I think Morgan in that moment is really, really glad that he didn't kill Victor, in a sense, because he even says to Victor... I don't know that Alicia would look at me the same way if I kicked you down that sta- that elevator shaft, you know? So he's kind of like, whew, oh my God, I almost was a murderer. You know, I'm, a, I'm an attempted murderer. And so look, somebody's look, somebody in the universe, as they, they both have said in this episode, is looking out for them, for him, for him only, it seems. Ugh, <laughs> oh, poor Victor, poor Victor. Why am I saying that? Anyway, it's hard to see someone go mad. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. But what's going on with Morgan that worries me is that I don't know that he learned his lesson. The consequences of his actions never took hold, but did he learn the lesson? Maybe he thought- kill people? Is that the lesson here? <laughs> well, to maybe, I, I, and I, I really don't even know what the lesson is. I, I think to not kill people, right? But I, what I'm worried, I'm trying to distill what I'm thinking right now. I'm worried that he thinks that the outcome justified the means. Meaning, maybe it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, which is the lesson I've been trying to learn the whole time, right? Morgan, this whole time, Morgan's been trying to learn that it doesn't always have to go the way I need it to. And maybe he learned it too well, you know? And so the fact that it didn't happen the way he intended to yielded positive results. Like, he didn't, he doesn't see the fact that it could have gone really, really badly had Victor died. Like you said, mm-hmm. had Victor, what was the plan after Victor died? Like, well, okay, first of all, I killed somebody. Second of all, what would happen to the, all the residents of this tower? It's kind of like what we said about Negan in season eight, I think it was. What happens if you take out Negan? And well, at the end of season eight too, like what happened if Rick would have killed Negan at the end of it? Or even at the beginning of that season? What was the whole point? The residents of the, of the sanctuary would have probably all perished. It would have been chaos. All the casualties that don't include the saviors, let's say our, our Alexandrians, our hilltop people, who knows what, what collateral damage would have happened as a result of taking out Negan? So you have all these saviors running about trying to kill people. Undoubtedly, numerous of our residents, our favorite people would have died in the process of trying to take down Negan, you know, killing Negan. So in an in effort to contain that blast, um, you jail the one guy and show an example of what a civilized society would do and then work together for a few, whatever, potential future. But what was Morgan's plan? You take Strand out and then what happens? If he had taken Strand out, maybe he felt like he doesn't know Howard, but maybe after their one meeting in the sub, when Howard was cordial and he could talk to him, whatever. So maybe he felt like if he took Strand out, Howard would be more malleable and he would be able to bring everybody into the tower. Because essentially Victor and Morgan don't have dissimilar goals. They both want to help people. I'm trying to be generous. (laughs) I mean, to both, to be honest. I mean, I think they do. I think you're right. One out of yeah, spite, but, one but, yeah, for the better reasons. But for both. I'm not saying yes and no to either person. Like, I mean... The ends justify the means, right? <laughs> both yin-yang parallels between the two of them. Whatever their intentions are, like, at least with Victor, it's a little bit murkier. But Morgan, I would say, is more altruistic, albeit when he says to June, I'm working on it. We didn't know what he meant. Until we saw it. You specifically, Dave, has said this in the past. Do you think Morgan could have tried to push 
June into tower leadership after Strand's death. Oh, yeah. Since she's already been there, she's got rapport with these people that she's nursed back to health. I mean, maybe she could take over the tower in Strand's absence. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes so much more sense to me. But then why, why would he say the things that he said to her in this episode? If he wanted her to take leadership and he wanted June to step up, why would he say the shitty things that he said to her? When Morgan comes in, June's with baby Mo, and she's like, hi, Morgan, I'm so glad to see you. You're fine. And he goes, yeah, so why are you uh, sucking up like you did with Virginia? Basically, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> That's what you got out of that? Your, your paraphrasing uh, is um, questionable. Dis- I mean, I saw them both hug. Yeah. Did you dismiss the long hug? No, I hug? said, I said, I'm like in I my said notes, that. notes, long hug, that. extended hug. I, I said she hugged him, etc. But when his first words were questioning her why she was going along with Victor, just like she did with Virginia. Mm. And he did say that yeah, to her. Yeah. So why is that his approach to June? Because he could have said, hey, June, you know, we got a place you could come hang out with us, you know. But no, he makes it personal and vindictive in the way he addressed her. I don't know about so vindictive, what, but he's, I, I think he's sussing out why on earth she would align herself. And I mean, wouldn't we all have the same question? Why on earth would you align yourself with Victor having just been aligning yourself with Virginia? Well, what exactly is her choice? Yeah, there wasn't much choice. Up until the point that Morgan shows up, what exactly is her choice? So that's a good question. However, I will answer much in the way Morgan was about to answer, which was, you know, John saw the game for what it was because he was confronted with it in a terrible way. And so in order to escape that, he ran away from that. He said, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to get out while I still could. But this also addresses the question we had about, does June even know what John was prepared to do to himself? You know, this is, te- this is a terrible, terrible region that we're going down right now. But, and I was actually questioning myself, what was Morgan just about to say to June in that instance, right? Because I don't think she knows what John was ready to do. I think June assumed, based on the letter, of course, because I don't think he was ready to kill himself. No. That's right. He wasn't pre- he wasn't going to kill himself initially, I don't think, when he gave that note to the rabbi, which eventually ended up in, you know, the wash and fold laundry down the track to when she picks it up at the dam, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think he he just figured he would die from those actions, but he did he wasn't mm-hmm. planning on killing he himself. Wasn't, it wasn't, right, yeah, right, it wasn't right. And he so he accepted that he could die. Right. And I think that's a bridge that I don't think that June knows about. I don't think she she's there. I don't think she has that info, if I'm not mistaken. No, she doesn't, as far as we know. Right. Yeah, that's very fascinating. But my, my question is, if you're trying to get someone on your side, why would you say that kind of thing to them? It's like Maggie and Negan. Remember when Negan said, I would have killed all of you? And Maggie's like, why would you say that to me? I think also like that Morgan feels like he can be himself with her as well. I, cause, and this is, this is my rationale, because... We just talked about this in the last episode. They're a lot alike. So why wouldn't he shoot straight with her? And I think he needs to be more real with her. Well, there's there's shooting straight, and then there's being rude and throwing something in somebody's face. Like, I mean, he basically he basically is like, why are you why are you here with Strand? I think it's a valid. Wait, well, hold on. What, let's 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 go her, back to the question itself. Let's go back to the question itself. Why is not not a valid question? Shouldn't have a choice. Why, why what, do you what say is that? her other choice? Her choice was to stay in the bunker with Senior where they were, I mean, eventually going to run out of anything or take the help that was given to them from Strand. Strand got there well, first exactly before Morgan. Why is, it, why is it binary? 
what is her other option? If not to go with other Strand. Than, yeah. If not to stay with Strand, what is her other option? Yeah. Is she supposed to just go back out into the world and, and she doesn't know about the fucking sub or anything like that. She doesn't know anything. So why would he come in and say something like that to her and throw Virginia and John in her face, basically? I, I, I don't think, oh, see, this is the mistake I think you're making, is that you're, you're equating the question to throwing Virginia and, and John in her face. But I, I see more, I'm trying to see, I can see it from your point of view, obviously, but I see it as more of like, knowing what you know that we just went through, why would you put yourself through the same, through the same game that John was trying to escape from? Like, knowing what you just went through, why would you go through that again? It's kind of like, why would you repeat history i mean if we're talking about strand's domain being history why would you repeat it knowing that you've seen this game be played before so i don't think it's to throw in her face i think and i think look we 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 all are we're all really good friends and that when we when we see something that somebody else is doing we try our best to put it in the right way but and even Victor kind of calls Morgan out. I was like, he just wants, I think he just wants to make sure that you're being treated properly. You know, like he's, he's, he's kind of slyly implying, like Morgan is trying to dance around the issue initially. Uh, you know, hey, don't you think you shouldn't play the same game that you played before? <laughs> and maybe, I don't think it's to throw it in her face, but I think if you're going to try to make a point, use recent history. Like, hey, this is a pattern that we've seen before. I, my question would still and be the actually, same though. What's the, the alternative? What is the alternative? What, well, what was her other option? Regardless of what the alternative is, I think, and you know, maybe not regardless, I just don't think I she, think that's the she, point, though. I don't the point think is, Morgan, what is the alternative? I think, right. I think, he's saying, why are you doing this? But he's not giving her another option of what else she could have done. There's, there's tons of other options. There's just... Like what? I, I just don't... Like what? I just that's what we're asking. <laughs> I just yes, don't we're see asking, what is, uh, what is the other option? Anything that doesn't involve... Working with Strand. I mean, being out in the so, wild, so, ending up no, like no, no, me no. and Fred. So don't, don't don't mistake me. I mean, I think. Listen, between you and me, I think I agree with June. I think she's exactly where she should be. I I I just want to make that clear before I continue. <laughs> However, from I can see also Morgan's point of view. Like, given the fact that John was my friend and that Morgan was your husband, and knowing personally what that what that game, you know, knowing which way is up, cost him. Why would you particularly stay here? And maybe he's just asking to ask, too. What else does she have to lose? She's already lost John. That's a good point, and, too. And she is but, doing but good some work. Some people don't... She is yeah, helping and people. And she is... But, like, what, she goes to the submarine. What, there's eight eight people there to take care of? Right. She's here at the tower where there are hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. We well, have to also of. consider that Morgan is asking to actually even get a response to like what do you what what's what is keeping you here oh i'm actually helping people okay there's the answer okay he doesn't know all this so he's just, just him for the first what, he doesn't what know he what says, we know is also but the what he says is well, let, wait. you're using helping people to stay in the yeah. same position you were with in virginia he even uses that as as almost like a weapon like you're using helping people like to stay in the same position well, he's using it as a as leverage sure but like he's also reminding him so a lot of what you're talking about is what Dennis says to Silas back then. It's not about what black and white, right? And that's fair. You know, it's not about right and wrong, black and white, that there are shades of gray and that we have to think practically. And I agree with that. But what, where you're going is a, a step too far. And this is just my opinion. You're going a step too far and saying, oh, he's using it as a dagger and a weapon. I'm like, no, he's not. He's, it's just the way he sees things. He's seeing these things in black and white. You know, and so I don't think it's a personal attack. I think that 
he's trying to figure her out do also. You, do you think Morgan speaks before he thinks sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Don't we all? Yeah. I, well, and it's kind of like what I was saying before. Mm, I try not to. <laughs> I mean, everyone I tries not to, but we do sometimes. Yeah. I've, well, it, I've, yeah, I've slipped up too much. But this this is something you're proving the point. But yep. no, this is this is the thing that we were saying also about motivations too. We think we're rational beings, but we're really not. We're emotional beings with rational explanations. You know, we we have feelings about things, but the ability to articulate those feelings are are and, and then maybe even stopping ourselves from our gut instinct, the first thing that we feel. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. You know, that that sort of thing. We're motivated by feeling rather than rationale. I think the bigger problem here is Morgan's delivery. Not his intent, but how he mm-hmm. comes across. I don't find that the problem at all. I just think it's, I, I'm going to say this out loud. See, case in point. I don't know how this is going to come across. <laughs> but I think it's interpretation. You know, I, oh, I mean, I totally agree with that. I'll, I'll, I'll see something and I won't see what um, you're seeing until you explain it to me. I'm very I'll be like, biased. I never saw it, it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm very biased towards some characters, and, and I admit that, and it, it colors my perception Same of how here. other characters act. Same here. I'm glad that we had this out because I because I can easily say on both sides of that coin because I didn't see it the way you had that I agree that there's no better place for June to be right now at this point in time, but I also see from Morgan's point of view, it is kind of. And even John Dory Sr. said it. He's like, you, you want to be here after what this guy did to this guy? I was like, well, what else is there to be? Where, is, where else is there to go? But June's interactions with Morgan are different than Morgan's interactions with John Sr. June has her own reasons for not wanting to... I'm using Morgan as an example here, right. but she has her own reasons for not wanting to go with Morgan or do whatever because of things he's done in the past. And that's my perception also. I'm trying to agree with you. Even even the characters see different perceptions of people. Senior doesn't know a lot of June and Strand's past. You know, he doesn't know what's gone down or what's gone down between June and Morgan in the past. So his formulation of how he sees Strand is totally different. Right, than right. Somebody else. Well, yeah, because his perspective is either limited or, but and he also brings in experience as well. He probably detects certain things. I'm sure, like he probably sussed out Strand from the beginning, and I think he did in USS Pennsylvania. There's also coming at it from the point of view of what we perceive, but also what is. Now, the reason why I can never take my observations to where you guys are is because I don't see it the way that you do, but I also don't see that the show is trying to express it the way that you do. I don't see animus between June and Morgan at all, even though there's a way to interpret their interactions as what could be animus, but it never materializes, is what I'm saying. If the show had materialized some sort of animus between those two characters, I would totally agree with you, and then we could see what led up to that animus. What do you think June is going to think when she finds out Morgan tried to kill Strand? That is such a great question. Oh, my God. In addition well, to that, I wonder if Morgan will tell Alicia what he tried to do. That's exactly what I thought of when I mm-hmm. when I finished my second watch, right? Yeah. Like, is he going to own up to his mistakes? Because I just watched that Ted Lasso episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can even say this because I don't want to spoil anybody. But I'll say it in a different way. Yeah, there's a character on this other show that does some... <laughs> very heinous things that gaslight, 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 and eventually she has to fess up to it. And so I wonder if Morgan's going to do the same with Alicia in any way. And you know what? If I were him, because I'm a flawed being, yeah, I wouldn't. (laughs) Sorry. I just want to put out one parallel. Morgan giving June shit about taking the deal with Strand. Mm. 
a la Virginia. And yet by the end of the episode, Morgan himself is forced to take a deal with Strand. Well, Morgan actually doesn't want to make the deal. Grace makes right. the deal on Morgan's behalf. But he still has to make the deal is what I'm saying. So now he gets the karmic justice of having to take a deal that he doesn't necessarily want to. Well, maybe he'll better understand how people get into the positions that they do. The point I'm getting at is Morgan gives her shit for taking the deal. And yet later on, he himself is forced to take the deal. That's funny also. When you think about that parallel in, spe in specific, I'm thinking to myself, this is maybe yet another way of, and I don't know, maybe every episode is designed to also, in addition to telling a story and all that stuff, to show all the ways that Morgan is growing. Because, or, yeah, let's say growing. I don't know, for lack of a better term. All the little frog in a boiling pot comparisons, like him shooting at B and, and Fred, and uh, him allowing Grace and him to be a duo rather than a single person taking things over, not letting up on Althea, things like that. Like where not letting, a, not admitting to Alicia can't be all about what I want. And that when things don't go my way, I have to have to roll with it, etc. All these little things that end up being like him forcing to have to accept Strand's terms. It was out of his hands. All these little things he may hopefully take lessons from, but you know, every now and again, we're seeing him do interesting things that don't really jive with what we know about him. So what does he end up becoming, right? As a result of all this. To be perfectly frank with you, I think the fans have been kind of, I mean, I don't know about me, but every time you go into any forum or any sort of Twitter conversation, there's always that one person that wants Morgan to go back to clear mode or badass Morgan, or I don't know what that would have, I don't know what that looks like. Aikido Morgan, I mean, really? Like stick Morgan, killing things, knocking things over. Well, clear Morgan what? is not Aikido Morgan, right? Right, right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But you see it yourself, right? You've seen it every now and again. I want I want clear Morgan. You know, I, I want I want to mm. see that version of Morgan. But see, maybe that, that that makes me sad though. He was but, not healthy. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But maybe this is a res the response to that. Well, we're not gonna give you clear Morgan. We're gonna <laughs> give you morally compromised Morgan. Maybe this is the seventeenth different somebody that you May or may not want to see murder and Morgan. In... <laughs> Hashtag murder and Morgan. <laughs> However, and that and that's this is the point. He doesn't get to to be that person so far. But what? But knowing that he hasn't become that person, now what does he become? Wait, 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 wait. He hasn't become that person because his murder attempt failed. I yeah. I think that still makes him that person because the intent was there. He is he is still that person. It just didn't work out this time. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I disagree. I mean, like, oh, man, I, I, did, I don't know if I'm going to wade in these waters, but <laughs> but like, okay, when you try to commit suicide and it doesn't work. You are still considered that... suicidal. True, but you haven't done the suicide. No, so... but you are still considered suicidal. He is still homicidal. <laughs> that's true, but he doesn't become a murderer, though. So no, that's, but that's he's, capable. Only, he's capable of it. Only because he got lucky. Yeah, but he's a little more capable. Yeah, you yeah, still, he you still go to prison steps. for attempted murder. Yeah, yeah, he still took the steps to try to murder yeah, him. Yeah, that's it true. It doesn't matter if it didn't. If it didn't, the intent was still there. It doesn't matter if it didn't work out. That's you true. Go, glass half there. full, right? <laughs> you, you know what Morgan needs? What's that? Some Snickers. Get this man a Snickers. Or at least the peanut butter protein bar. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's all he's ever needed. Snicker. Yes. <laughs> That's what he needs. <laughs> he's going to enjoy Secret Santa. Having not become that, you have the chance to change. I mean, even if you've done that, this, these shows have shown this, that even if you've done the murder, or even if you've done the terrible thing, well, it's Dwight. Mm -hmm. Hello. Mm -hmm. 
Dwight, mm -hmm. Negan. I mean, even so then why isn't why isn't Strand someone that they could rehabilitate? So why why does Strand deserve death if all these other people can come back from killing Doctor Denise and all the other terrible Morgan clearing and just murdering people? If all these other people can come back, why is Strand the one that has to die? What makes him so awful? Well, so who says that? Is why? It Morgan, just, well, well that, Morgan making no, the saying, attempt. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, if Strand had, like, hadn't discovered it was Morgan, he might have changed and actually had a redemption. So. That's what gets me. That's what's really getting me right now. Wait, what I saw was Strand devolving even more. I mean, he wanted to pull everybody who had been recruited in the last 30 days and interview him. I mean, it, I think he would have gotten worse. No, but right before... Well, I see what, I see what they're saying. Like, right when... When uh, right before he took Morgan's hand and noticed his thumb, he was like, "Oh, we can about oh, finally leash it together." Yeah, follow, yeah, we can finally leash it together, and make it work. And then he noticed Morgan's thumb, and that just pushed him over the edge. But you're saying, what if what if Morgan hadn't what if tried Morgan to murder? Had got caught? Is the, the question is, is the question. What, 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 what if he hadn't tried to murder Strand in the hands. first place? Wait, say that. Sorry, say that again, yeah, Jasmine. Yeah. Morgan learned. Morgan learned nothing from the pandemic. Well, what would what would have happened if Morgan had just learned how to wash his hands? Right. Yeah. So, so yes, we see Strand and Morgan shake hands like, oh, we're going to find Alicia together. But don't, don't you think Strand still would have wanted to find out who tried to poison him? I don't think he would have let that go. That's a well, I don't think he would have let it go, but I, don't, I think he had kind of gained a little bit of equilibrium in his, in his mind. He found someone to help him. Morgan was going to help him find Alicia. And he was like, you know what? That's cool. I, we can work together. We can do it. And then he noticed Morgan's thumb, and that shit just went right out the window. Yeah, he still would have wanted to know who it was, but I don't feel like he would have been as psycho about it. Right. Instead, what we're seeing right now is that Victor is consumed with himself much in the way, like, and I, I'm going to refer you to a Twilight Zone episode. Peter Falk plays a version of, a unnamed version. It's Fidel Castro. <laughs> Twilight Zone episode is actually called The Mirror. Oh, uh, and I remember this one. Yeah. You saw this yeah. one? Okay. Yep. But what essentially devolves into the mirror basically shows him all the people that are conspiring against him. Mm -hmm. Or so we think. We don't know. But as Strand is looking in the mirror version of himself, this is the thing that sets him off initially, but also brings him back together, sort of, in a, in a damaged, mishmashed way. I mean, he's further going down the line of only trusting himself, only being the one to trust not even Howard at this point. I, are we on the same page on that? Because I, 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 I need a little help with this one, too. I, I do agree with myself that says that he is becoming more and more paran paranoid. I was with you until the Howard What? When does he start doubting Howard? He even says, like, near the end, he says something to the effect of, if I was wrong about Morgan, who else was I wrong about? Mm -hmm. And then Howard says, I wouldn't let Morgan Jones make you second guess yourself. And then I okay. saw, like, and I just want to touch on this. I don't know how far we can go with this thought. When Howard says this to him, I wouldn't let Morgan Jones second guess yourself. Strand, like, lets out a guffaw, but it's like a very, like, I'm kind of, like, touched by what Howard says. I, but do you see that? Did you see that? Or what did you register that as? I, I thought it was more of like a, yeah, it's not me. I'm second guessing. <laughs> Oh, okay. It was more like uh, you're just trying to cover your own ass by saying that because you're definitely one of the people I'm second guessing. Yeah. I don't think Strand yeah. would second guess himself. But this is why I sort of think this, because I saw another side of Howard that I didn't get to see in previous episodes in this one. And that's uh, almost like an emotionally invested Howard. Like he cares about what happens to this place. The way I boiled it down to was 
I see in Howard, oddly enough, the version that Vis Victor must think of himself. Meaning Victor must, must be regarding himself as what Howard actually is. Somebody who really cares about the welfare and, and wanting this place to grow. He expresses this even to the point of maybe even challenging Victor and saying, should we populate this place? If you keep dismissing people, you'll never create the history that you want to create. You know, that, that figurehead of history that you want to be. Those, do you guys have anything to say about that? Because I'm wondering, because I um, keep calling him a demon this episode. I'm like, maybe he's not a demon. The tower was his before Strand came. So I'm sure he has a much deeper connection and affection for it. It was his safe haven long before Strand ever got there. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why it was the title card. <laughs> because it's the place that everybody loves. Right, the opening sequence. But mm -hmm. I, I see him caring about the people too, though. That's the thing. Much like Morgan does, by the way. I can't say that I've seen evidence of Howard not caring about the people, but what if you... Tell me why you think he does care. Because I haven't really seen anything either way. Yeah. I'm I'm more inclined to agree with Sharon D and say that the the place is more meaningful to him and the people are just sort of there. <laughs> but why would he be so like keen on populating the tower if it wasn't really about the people for him? Well, it seems like Strand is populating the tower. Howard says we need to, if you want to make it so people see this in a hundred years, you have to populate, you have to populate the tower. So sure. I don't think that it's so much that Howard cares about the people as far as if the tower is going to succeed and last and be something they have to have people there. Mm -hmm. So I think he's invested in having people there, but not necessarily invested in the people themselves. Or maybe he's invested in history. And that's like the third option. Like, yeah. like he's not invested people, in people. Well, he's not kind invested of the same in the thing. place. People make the history. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, but to the end of, of that and not the means. Like, okay, if we want to get to this place in history, we have or, to get the people. Like, as a matter he of wants course, to, rather than caring about the people. I can get behind he that. Wants to, he wants to protect the artifacts that are in the building, and in order to do that, the building has to remain standing and thrive. See, I almost disagree with that. I, I'm, I'm going to say that. I, I'll tell you why, though. Don't worry. I won't leave you hanging. I see Victor in the midst of things exploding, things. He's the one who says, and for, for goodness sake, somebody get the artifacts away from the windows. But where I see Howard coming from, I see Howard caring more about the long term. Meaning, but, but in order to care about the long term, we have to start taking at least one step towards the thousand steps or the or a journey of a thousand steps, right? I mean, if we're not willing to take in anybody, how are we going to get to the end? You know, it's not that he's yeah. impatient. But at the same time, I think he, he cares about, I think Howard cares about this general concept of history. I don't think he cares about the artifacts themselves as much as Victor's obsessed with them, like as these totems of history. Howard, Except Howard was keeping the artifacts before he ever met Strand. True. And I think that's where, where Victor takes over, though. I think Howard is invested in the long game. This is what, I'm, what I was saying initially. Howard takes Victor's vision of how he wishes to see himself and tries to make that real. It, but it's not about the things, it's about acts. It's about doing things. The, the one gift that Victor seems to give Howard in all this, right? Like, one of the questions we had asked ourselves is, why is Howard just going along with this? Why is he, why? Demon, right? But he's not a demon. <laughs> he's, not, he's not a demon. Victor's giving him the one chance at making history rather than preserving it. So I don't think Howard cares about the items or the artifacts as much as making the history he's giving him the one thing that he never really got to do in life it sounds like howard i am taking a bit of a leap okay i realize that 
But I think, I feel like he's, the idea of making history is exciting to Howard. He cares about it. He, and maybe it's for history's sake. Maybe he's doing it for its own sake, rather, which is why I see why you would say he doesn't care about the people as much mm-hmm. as the thing, the act. That's kind of what you're saying too, it sounds right. like, Dave. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking what you're saying and, and building, I'm making history, people. <laughs> you're making deep. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to not commit to my initial thought. Now, now, but what's great about being in the middle in this thought is now we can see Howard from both ways. Does he care about the people or is it really just history for history's sake, right? And I like that you're giving this this historian, somebody who preserves history rather than makes it, a chance to make history. And I like that. Yeah. It makes Howard human. It makes him human. And I that's the one thing I wanted to see from him. I, I don't know where that character goes from here. So, I don't, but I'm I'm happy with this now. Since we've established Howard's humanity, can I point out something I I saw to maybe contradict the humanity? <laughs> please yes 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 so maybe i'm totally crazy maybe i'm out on a limb by myself but i don't even care so i i don't have the the exact i am most episodes yeah i (laughs) i don't have the exact quote and it would help if i did but uh so at the end uh strand is asking for baby mo because he wants to spend time with her right and howard says kind of in shock i i didn't know you liked children so I don't, I don't know about you, but the first thing that popped into my head was Brigga. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. To me, that was just one more tick in the column of Howard calling that shot instead of Strand. Mm. And also the mm. fact that he wouldn't, he gave up baby Mo when Morgan asked him to. You know mm-hmm. what? You could turn and then what happens to her. And Strand's like, you know what? Okay, I give it up. Yep. Even though that's my bargaining chip. That's what's keeping you here. I'm still going to give mm-hmm. her up. So I do not think that Strand would have ordered the execution of a fucking little girl. I, I still agree to that as well. Mm-hmm. I'll say this much, though. It doesn't prove that Howard ordered the hit on, on Brigga. It doesn't though. prove it. But that's why it's, no, it's just it a tick in that column, though. Yeah. I, I, I'm still, you know what, as a result of really kind of just thinking about it and even, I'm trying not to let the bias of Alex Scooby <laughs> <laughs> influence my decision on, on Eli being a shitbag galore. <laughs> Because, okay, and here's why, okay. But we know he was sent there. Someone sent Eli to that bunker. Oh, yeah. The sending part I agree yeah. with. Okay. And I think that was Howard, for sure. Yes, but, like, okay. I need to look at my notes for just a second <laughs> because I say something very specific here. Oh, no, I said it about, fuck, I said it about the last episode of The Walking Dead World Beyond. That conversation about Felix and Leo Bennett have about being oh. responsible for one's own actions, right? Mm-hmm. Leo may have given Felix the life. Right, that he, but Leo, but Felix reminds Leo, I had a choice to do with it, do with it what I wanted to do. Like you gave me the things, but I had the choice of taking it and doing, making something great with it. You know, I could have ruined it. I could have done what Hope did, was just make alcohol and jerk off, right? <laughs> but like, but that's a choice. Everything is a choice, which is why I say when Howard gives Eli the responsibility. I mean, yeah, Howard does own some of that. Resp- whatever happens from that point, right? But. At the same time, Eli, I think, took it and said, oh, I'm going to fuck this Austin Emilio up. <laughs> Alex Alex personally wanted to fuck up Austin Emilio's shit. <laughs> hey, fuck you, guy. I think you're so pretty underneath all that ugly makeup. <laughs> so, you, so you're still saying that Eli made yeah, the call. I think, not I Howard, think not Strand, but Eli. The more I thought about it, the more I thought. It, and then I consider also Eli's character. Yeah. Like, he just seems like the guy that like would double down. It is really hard to think Alex Scooby would do something like that. I so know. I-, <laughs> I know. And at the same time, I'm like, 
But but the thing about Eli that convinced me that it was him was what I was saying initially about it. Like he has his own principles, right? He he has his own code of ethics that dictates I'm allowed to do whatever I'm I'm gonna do to survive. And if it means doing bad things, I'm gonna be I'm gonna get comfortable real fast with it. And not only that, and not only that, if this is the form my form of entertainment is to get back people that wronged me, well then I'm gonna do that. You know, I'm I'm gonna get somebody back just for my one little pleasure upums. But you know what? I'm going to make note of it just in case uh, that Howard turns out to be the guy who kind of guy would order a hit on a child. I think Howard believes in Victor's vision too much. Blindly, too. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think he believes in it too much to to steer away from it. That sometimes he has to treat it as gospel in order to make history. So when things like um, turning away Morgan and child uh, in the initial part of the episode, I think he'll do it. He won't, he won't say anything otherwise. He won't protest even. And the only time Howard protests is when it feels like it's going against his character. Don't you want to populate this tower? That's the only time he really challenges him. Oh, don't, I thought you didn't care much for children. Do you see any children in this tower even? I see mostly geriatric uh, artists, geriatric people. I don't know. We saw some people doing yoga. Yeah, yeah well. But not kids, I mean, but to your point, not children. Every person that seems to call Strand's Tower from the call box, carpenters, firefighters, medics, former, yeah, yeah, the medic was from the army too. All these people seem to be what we would typically regard as useful people, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's almost as if like my heart, my mind kind of just flipped upside down. I was like, oh, he's not doing what Ginny wanted. You know, like he's not taking in useful people. Then I wonder, is he taking in only the opposite kind of people, people that are dependent upon him? And I don't have proof that he's Mm. not, right? I don't have any proof that he's not. But at the same time, the episode makes it quite clear that he's really just going with his eight ball gut. You know what I mean? Like he's just saying, he's shaking up his little belly and he's saying, nah, nah, say, see ya, goodbye. I think he was denying all of them because they weren't Alicia. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, I have, a, I have a pride, I don't know. Like, I don't mean, I don't mean consciously. Like, it's not like he was like, oh, that's not Alicia, I'm not gonna let them in. But whenever they're like, oh, you know, here, I'm this dude, can you let me in? And he. In the back of his mind, he's like, that's not Alicia. Hmm. That's not Alicia. It's not who I like want. Like her her persona or like who she represents as a person. They're not, a, they're not a representative of what Alicia stands for type of thing. Well, what he really wants is Alicia there with him. That That's what he wants and what he needs is Alicia. And every time somebody who came up and called wasn't, wasn't her, my instinct is to not trust this person because it's not the person that I want it to be. Jasmine, what do you got? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with what Sharon is saying. Like, uh, it's kind of subconscious. All he really wanted was for Alicia to show up, and anyone else is just a disappointment. But didn't we get through just if, talking about this in the last episode? Like, that he doesn't want her to show up, or is he not? Uh, yeah. I think he wants to think that he doesn't want her to show up, but, like, he can't right. hide the fact that Something really else is he does. <laughs> the one, the, just like everybody else, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing the um, post-show mm. thing. But just like everybody else, what Strand needs is love, and the person that he loves is Alicia. And he's not going to be satisfied with anybody until he has Alicia in some way, shape, but or form. He wants, he wants to think and pretend and even pretend to himself that he doesn't need her. Mm. Yeah. This is something I had said several episodes ago, that like, we will do things that make us feel, make us believe that we don't. I'm going to try to grab at something less ethereal than just things we do, but like, Leo wanting to strangle Lila himself <laughs> is something we can grab onto and easily understand how victor feels like no leo you didn't want to kill lila you want to kill that part of you that ever felt 
love for somebody that could potentially hurt you slash your children. Mm-hmm. You know, even though ultimately they were safe, it could have gone any which way. Yes, she did love you, but yes, she also would have ratted you out for the sake of not just telling the CRM. She would have ratted you out for the sake of humanity and at your expense and you and your children's expense. You know, that's that's how far she was willing to go to save humanities. Not only parcel off her own soul, but what does that involve? Burying people under the bus, including the people she may love, which is why Leah wanted to destroy her. So when we go back to Victor and we talk about Victor, we will do whatever we have to. Victor will have to do whatever he has to in order to make it commit himself to this this purpose or this proposition of, of keeping this tower alive. But also needing Alicia not being there means he can be the person he feels like he needs to be, this version of himself that he used to be, in order to make the history that he wants to make with Howard. Oh, but <laughs> I'm very torn about about Strand wanting Alicia there or not wanting her there because I think in in his heart he he wants to be around her because you know like like we said he loves her he cares about her and it would be the right thing for the for them to be together and surviving together but on the flip side like you just said and like Strand has said many many times he can't do what he needs to do with her around so I mean maybe that's partly why Strand is sort of losing his marbles right now like maybe he can't even decide if he wants her there or if he doesn't want her there or what would be best for him in the long run like I mean that would I mean I'm going crazy thinking about it for him right now so that's why I was never 100% agreeing with with you guys when you say that oh he's just waiting for Alicia to call and that's the person he's gonna let in I'm like I don't know if I believe that I honestly do believe I am torn. Well, I don't, that's, I mean, that's not what I'm saying, though. That is not, I don't think he is in his conscious mind waiting for Alicia to show up. I think subconsciously he wants Alicia. And so that's why nobody fits the bill that he wants is because none of them are Alicia. And even though consciously he's like, "Ah, I don't need Alicia. Subconsciously his mind is saying you need her. Well, if we take, if we take that a step further and let's say Alicia does show up, now it's right there in his face. Like, what what sort of decision do you think he would make? Because if she shows up, she is going to redirect him, right? Because she's the only person that has the power to to redirect his bad behavior. And I mean, I don't. Ugh, ugh, this is so right? hard. It, this is well, so first hard. All, first of all, we have to acknowledge the fact that he would turn her away. Period. Well, see, End I'm to- I'm torn on that. I'm still torn I don't on think that. I hundred percent think he would turn her away. Well, I don't hundred percent. I don't think he would. Turn I'm her torn. Away. If I he don't... was going to turn her away, why would he ask Morgan to help find her? Oh well, listen. Well, it, knowing it, it, where it, she is doesn't mean inviting her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's also like okay, Morgan trying to find Alicia. I don't know what that means. And also, we're dealing with a with a Victor who's physically and also mentally compromised as a result of everything that's happening to his ta- both himself and the tower. So I like, I like that there's a little bit of uh, like a weird parallel, like damage from the inside, mm, literally, literally <laughs> and damage from the outside strands tower. I mean, what is strands tower? If not a physical manifestation of the man himself, everything he wants to be is represented in a physical uh, structure. <laughs> and, and, and case in point, have you noticed the inside? It's all filled with all this frill and, and historical relevance. But if you look beyond the actual artifacts itself, what are the walls made out of? They're not even finished. I assume drywall and plaster. Not even. It's just, just like bare bones. Drywall, they're just bare yeah, walls. Yeah, it's like um, <laughs> corrugated cardboard and uh, and steel beams. If, if that. No, I think that's just the, the framing. 
just the framework. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It looks like the Alexandria walls. But and Ooh. and and I know what it's framed with. It's not even. It's like aluminum. It's it's thin aluminum that you can break with a single kick. So this you know, so this building wasn't even finished before the apocalypse. We well, can say. the the bones are finished. It's like con- poured concrete and pillars to keep the the, the right. floors up and stuff like that. But the it's buildings the not glass. Finished. It's glass. Yeah, yeah it's, It was in, in under yeah. construction. The exterior. Yeah. The exterior is done. The interior. I, n- I never thought done. we'd get here. I thought in the back of my mind, like, okay, maybe we maybe we'll talk about the structure. It's maybe, <laughs> but what is what if that is not. What what if of any of that is not Victor Strand? Victor Strand, the man who could have been, so right? The Victor's... man he was shaping up to become, and then all of a sudden, but in the inside, it's all it's not finished. It's just not finished. And then instead, we're filling it with, <laughs> with history, with all the wrong things that, like, if we're talking about a post nuclear zombie apocalypse, why are we going backwards? You know, why why are we going backwards to look for the answers for the future? We got to deal with the reality at hand. I mean, I'm not saying Victor's doing anything wrong by building this tower, but like, all right, how is that being accomplished, right? Who are you now? You know, what what is this structure? What are you filling this structure with? People that depend on you? I don't know. But it's an interesting comparison to kind of compare this physical thing to the man himself and what they're both going through in the moment, being attacked from the outside, being attacked from the inside. He's compromised. So of course he's ready to find Alicia. I, when he screamed out Alicia at the uh, in the elevator shaft, not, he didn't scream it out, but he let it out. It felt like he was just letting it out as a man dying. It's his last dying breath. I didn't think that Morgan was even going to come back. I thought he was just saying it to say it at first. Then there's like a couple moments and then Morgan kind of pops back in. Yeah, you were saying? <laughs> but I thought like initially when I heard it in my first watch, I'm like, oh, he's dying or he thinks he's dying or whatever. And that's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. Did you feel that as well when you were watching for the first time? I can't say that I did. I did, oh, yeah. But Jasmine did. Yeah. Uh, Charity, I was curious. I thought it was more like a last-ditch attempt to get Morgan to come back and, and not leave. Okay. Him. Like, I'm throwing out the last... Oh, interesting. I'm throwing out the last key I had. The last... I'm, key. I'm, I'm struggling with the word. Because just yeah, before that, he, he, he says, I'm giving you my I'm trust. I'm throwing my last card right. on the deck. I'm throwing my last card out on the deck. Alicia is my last card that I have to play to make you come back and not Right, leave right, right. No, that's... that's... Yeah thinking ahead I, yeah that's when i say this i i say this is was my instinct it was like oh like my first reaction to him saying that I'm like Alicia. like it was just it just came from his mouth and uh, but you you were you were thinking ahead I, I always try not to think ahead when i watch at first because I'm, I'm like i don't need that analytical brain at first i don't need that guy that guy can take a shit he can go <laughs> away because otherwise i see the whole episode that way and i it just gets in the way of me enjoying it but um no but that's interesting I, I really, I like that because it confuses everything after that. But, but again, but you see my point, he does this because he's compromised. Inside and out, he's compromised. I, that's why I think initially he would turn her away. He doesn't need that shit. It's exactly what he doesn't need right now. And I'm not trying to convince you otherwise, I don't have an answer. And that's always where the show wants to keep us. Is it Alicia that he wants to hear from and that's why he turns everybody away? Or is it really, and now let me give you a little tick in the, in the corner of, oh no, it was his gut the whole time. When Morgan shows up, his gut is telling him to to turn him away. His initial feeling was turn him away. But what gets him to come back? What was the thing that got him to come back and say, I don't care what you have to do, find Morgan Jones and bring him back? Because he wanted someone who who knows him. Like he, he can was telling trust the lady, when you paint my portrait, when you paint my portrait, I want you to paint me what I see. And the only person that knows that is Alicia and Morgan. 
And if Alicia would get in the way, at least he can trust somebody he hates. I think he wants Morgan to validate that he's a terrible person because that's how he yeah, sees I think himself. Strand hates himself. And Morgan will validate. Morgan will validate that for him. Morgan will be like, "Yeah, you're a piece of shit." Let's, we really need to go down this 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 hole here because I think it was touched on when he was talking about his dad never looked at him. This all stems from Strand just wants acceptance and to be loved, and he doesn't know how to go about it because he never had it when he was a kid. And he's that's why he's the person he is now. He doesn't know how to take it even if someone offers it he doesn't know how to accept it and he can't even accept it in himself and he knows that so he's trying to build love in this tower maybe but he doesn't but he doesn't know how so he's going about it all because wrong. he's never yeah he's going about it all wrong because he doesn't know how to do it that, that, you know that makes that breaks my heart a little bit too like the it's only sad. person who gets to hear this story is us obviously all duh <laughs> but then but who else baby mo and Baby Mo is like his confession box. This is why I'm not terribly worried about Baby Mo and being in Victor's hands uh, too much. Oh, I'm much. not worried about her. I'm a oh, little I don't bit. Think he's gonna do anything physically mm. mad to her. I, he's I not gonna hurt her or anything like that. Mentally. Yeah, that's you know, what I'm worried depending about. Depending on how long Baby Mo stays with him. Definitely yeah. Yeah, I don't think she'll be there long. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, wait, wait. Now you have to qualify that. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I think. It, They'll get her out somehow more. Grace will get her out or Wendell will get her out or somebody will get the baby out before anything bad happens to her. I wonder, because I'm going to just say this out loud. Um, I find it interesting, more interesting, that the that Mo would stay. I, I, I'm not saying I want this. I'm just saying as a viewer, I'd, I'd be okay with it. I'd like to see what happens. <laughs> She's going to be a little Sebastian. <laughs> that would truly I mean, if Judith, if Judith can become Rick's kid, I mean... <laughs> Mo could be Shane's kid slash Victor's kid. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Or worse, yeah, Mo might get caught up in whatever's going on with Victor, and he might get killed inadvertently through um, his complex. Case in point, where Morgan doesn't succeed in trying to kill Strand and trying to kill Fred and B slash almost killing Mo slash almost killing Victor, Morgan will succeed inadvertently in killing baby Mo, you know, trying to do what he wants to do. And then, and then poor Victor gets to be the bad guy, which is what I see at the end though, by the way, I say poor Victor because I'm almost, I almost feel bad for him. The, the universe gave you to, to Morgan, baby Mo, but the universe also gave me this tower, you know? So that's, that gotta be a good thing. It's a miracle as he just said before. Well, is, is Morgan really the best father figure? He did just use his baby as leverage to get in to try to murder somebody. I don't know. And he let his other son die because he couldn't take the shot. Yeah, one of the one of the observations that I made uh, a couple of okay, remember when we were talking about Will? We we were just, we were talking about Will in the first episode and what it must mean for somebody to live out there, right in the wild. And we were asking ourselves, what if our people were faced with what Will was facing, and would they be the same? Would they act the same way? And I think Morgan doing what he did proves that yeah, it's bad out there. And, and like, this is why I agree with you that June is in the right place for where she needs to be right now. The show is making a concerted effort to show us what being out there, how desperate that situation is. And then at the same time, Alicia does the same, says the same thing. She's saying, she's saying what we should know already, but in case you for, in case it's lost on you how bad this is and why Morgan's thing seems like it's shot. And it is shocking. It's frog in a boiling pot. It is shocking, but it shouldn't be. But Alicia says the thing that's obvious. It's so bad that my group splintered off. Arno took charge of part of my group 
and tried to attack Strand's tower because, you know, that reminds me of another Twilight Zone episode called The Shelter, where uh, a, a neighborhood, <laughs> the people who would otherwise be neighbors end up trying to bust into a shelter of another neighbor who, mm-hmm. at the same time, they were celebrating his, his birthday for he's a jolly good fellow. And, and then the air raids horns sound and then they, ru- they, sl- they actually break into the shelter in an effort to get in and rendering it useless to everybody. And so when I see this episode, I see, okay, this is how bad it is. Otherwise, good people do terrible things because that's how bad it is. So when I look at what Strand's trying to do, I feel like I kind of want him to succeed, which is why I say poor Strand is going mad, which is why I'm like, okay, this is going to get shittier before it gets any better <laughs> all around. I need help with the way I'm feeling right now. I need someone to clarify it for me. Because... Why do you think we didn't break this down yesterday? Yeah. I was very, <laughs> I, my hard drive was broken. I yeah. needed to take it to a shop. I need, ex- explain to me why, why I can be more sympathetic towards bad Strand than Strand trying to do good. Like Strand trying, first? Strand trying to do good just irritated me. It pissed me off. I never believed it. Like, oh. I'm like, just stop, just stop. You're bad, be bad. And now he is. And now I'm kind of like you, like, oh man, oh, he's really losing it. Well, Ooh. you're you're where I'm Ooh. at, finally. <laughs> <laughs> so what do, what do you think it was though? There, there, there has to be a moment where, is it when you see somebody suffer or, I, I, what is it? Um, I think for me, I. I mean, I saw him losing it at the beginning of the episode when he's staring at the portrait, but he hears walkers. Oh, God. That was when I went, ooh, ooh, he's losing it. Right. Which, by the way, immediately made me think of spooky beta shit. (laughs) Did it not make you think of that? If any... I always have to refer to what that is. Okay, episode 10, 10, 15, 10 16, actually, uh, of The Walking Dead. Beta start. Well, actually, you start. He, he starts hearing voices a couple episodes ago with the pan flute, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's actually hearing the walkers talk and tell him things. Why is it called spooky beta shit? Because they're telling him things prophetically almost. Like, And then he knows things that he shouldn't know. And so when I... So I'm worried that Victor's going to pull some spooky beta shit where like they're going to he hears the walkers whispering in his in his ear and then he's going to start well like Fidel Castro like in the mirror in the Twilight Zone he's going to start doing things that might get baby Mo killed inadvertently I'm sure he doesn't want to kill baby Mo but yeah but why though Seeing I don't know that's mad... that's what I'm having trouble with I don't know why I'm all of a sudden sympathetic towards Strand like mm-hmm. like once I see him losing his marbles it's like okay this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> No, no, it, it, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's why I need help. I'm going to ask you a question, but then I'm also going to go to other people. But is it possible that you may not fully believe that he's a bad guy? No, I do think he's, I, I, I do think he's bad. And I think he fully though. Well, okay. I'm going to draw a line here. I think he's a, I think he's a bad guy, but I don't think he's evil. Okay. That's good enough for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like most villains in The Walking Dead, Strand is gray. But you're acknowledging that he is a villain. I I don't know if I'd say he's a villain necessarily. Like he's he's making he's making bad decisions and he's excluding people. But I don't know if he's a villain. Okay, fair enough. He's not he's not killing people directly. And 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 you're having trouble watching him suffer as well. Except Will. Except Will. Will. Oh yeah, I'm definitely having trouble watching. Say it right. He yeeted Will. Well, Sharon, what do you think? Because I, I know that you, you've had your, you've been pretty clear about how, I guess in some senses you were sympathetic towards Strand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, well, especially after this episode, when he was talking about his father, you know, I really, I really understand where he's coming from. And I can understand how 
he became the person that he did. If if he couldn't get the love, then I just don't need it now. I don't. I could just be on my own. And if, to be honest, you know, like, um, you know, I could look at other characters as as bad guys in my perception that other people wouldn't necessarily think is like a bad Rick guy. or something or yeah. maybe. Oh yeah, let's just say yeah, Rick. Yeah, sure, Rick. Like or like Morgan, <laughs> right? Are you saying that too or? So yeah, I mean, it every it's all down to perception, but like I I agree with Rachel in that Strand is a bad guy but he's not evil I, right i can't think he's, of he's... a single character in like the walking dead universe that we couldn't at one point or another see as morally compromised oh ev- everybody everybody everybody's, everybody's had that their moments and their slips uh, some worse than others right which which does go back to what we were saying about why not strand why can't he come back yeah i mean if strand was a really bad guy he would have just chucked baby mo off the fucking roof yeah, if he was evil yeah you know, here's your here's your daughter you know, you know? I, I was I was even thinking at one point, why doesn't Victor yeet Morgan <laughs> off the roof? He still, she still ha- he still has baby Mo uh, to hold over yeah. against Grace. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, Howard I mean, does I say like that he it would make him a martyr, but I don't know. He he might be making bad decisions and doing things that we would, especially like we in our modern society would qualify as bad. You know, society. Right. It's the ends justify the means. What he's doing in the end, it's it's helping people and saving people. So is he a bad guy? Maybe to kind of use Eli as a foil, compare the ethos, right? Eli is in it for himself. Right? I, I'm sorry to bring this up, but like Eli was in it for himself, trying to live out. This, but Victor is going out way out of his way in a way he doesn't need to in order to make this place. Hmm, to make history, which is something that in a zomb- post-nuclear zombie apocalypse, who on earth would do? Right. Well, this is, it's, this is, but I don't think he's doing it to help people. I think he's doing it for selfish reasons. I, but in a way, in a way, I almost am impressed with that. And I agree. No, I agree with you. But in a way, this is something that I think I touched on briefly some other point, which was in any world of scarcity, in a world of survival, in a world of who does this? Who looks for beauty in, in, in this kind of world? Who goes out of their way on principles there's no time for that. There's no there's no space for that. But Victor does. That's and not only that, dead, he's right, pulling Madison? people up with him. He's, he's <laughs> trying to... Right. Well, <laughs> interesting that you say that. Because <laughs> I wonder what this is going to lead up to if Madison's to, to return. I don't Ugh. think so. I just don't see it. Okay, we're, we're written to like or not like or be on the side of a character, okay? And I want to say Walter White is the perfect example of that. Walter White was a fucking bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was he was evil. Like he was doing evil ass shit. Oh my god. But how many people that watch Breaking Bad are like, oh, Walter White's the hero of the story? No, he's not. He is not. <laughs> yeah, but he's great as well. So he he, uh, he he was a pretty bad, he bad guy. He did not think. Like, oh, he was doing it for his wife and son. But no, he wasn't it doing it for up, his wife well, and son. He was doing it. I think that's it. It started. It started with the right intentions. You know, oh. he started with him trying to pay for his medical yeah. treatment. Right. And then he turned it, so, as a result of that, it what, turned him, or he turned himself into what he needed to be to... Right. So what I'm saying is, we're, the characters are written for us to fall on one side right. or the other. So when, you, when you're, side, oh, Strand is the bad guy, but that's all on your perspective. They're writing it so that you think Strand is a bad guy, because that's what they want. They want Morgan to be the good... The Civil War thing, we got Strand against Morgan, and they're playing it that way. So, it, you know, you can look at a character any way you want and get the perspective that you want on whether they're evil or not yeah. evil. But, 
or bad at the same time morgan isn't excluding people from joining him but they are but strand is so there is an element of except morgan has excluded people morgan has excluded people from joining that was that was complex and jewish probably should have gotten yeah it's still it's still an exclusion it's still an exclusion yeah i'm gonna move on based on his feelings Based on his based feelings. on mutually agreed upon rules, uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's move on. But but that, but the the whole point is no, and, and you're right. The, the the show has always been like this. The villains and the good guys, quote unquote, quote unquote, they've all exhibited things that they felt like they needed to do in order to, and in most cases, it seems like um, help or save people or whatnot. And then it turns ugly, or they get better, or they have a redemption, or whatever. So. And maybe that's why I, I have feelings for Victor. Like, I feel things for Victor is because of my experience with Better Call Saul. Who, if anybody, lines up with, with Walter White better than Victor Strand? A man that was left to his own devices at some point and needed to be the best version. Of it. Now, I, I, I will say, Victor Strand built quite the life for himself that Walter White couldn't have ever thought he could do. But it's almost as if, like, they had a reverse sort of evolution right walter white was seeking the life that victor already had pre-apocalypse and then you know when they both went through the looking glass victor was on the other side of it and says who are you now who are you now that i've taken all the things you've built i mean it's weird how like victor in some ways mirrors iris bennett in a weird way and i'll tell you why because iris sidelined all the things she wanted to do in life in order to build the future and then that was taken away from her unlike everybody else all going out in the wild ever did for Iris is take away everything that she had built up until now. There's no reason for her to go out in the wild, ever. There was no reason for her to go out there, except to save her dad. I get that, but that that is just her following everything she's ever done. It's like, well, well yeah, obviously I'm gonna save my dad. I did all this because of dad. You know, I did all my life because of my dad. But what, is, what did Victor do? Well, you know, I didn't have anything, so I just wanted to take everything. You know, I wanted to be everything. I wanted to be the thing that I thought I would need to be so that I could get the love. And then what did that get him? Then the apocalypse happened. And then he could never get that love, ever, now. So he's such a fascinating character to me. And the one person that he got the love and acceptance he from accept. is gone. Yeah, and then even as, by extension, Alicia. So we're talking about Madison, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, yeah. and the one person that could subsequently take that you know accept his love he doesn't want anything to do with because all all loving somebody for him has ever gotten him but he doesn't know oh yeah we're saying this about althea right althea was part of the story all along she just needed to be aware of it you know and then make adjustments and then follow through same thing with victor we're having so much trouble understanding him right now I feel like Victor doesn't feel like he deserves the love either. Like, from anybody. Like, not just from Alicia or, or Madison or whoever. It's why he kind of um, sabotaged his shit with Cole when he and Cole had a little budding thing going on. And he didn't feel like he was worthy of it, so he just sabotaged the shit out of it. Part of the reason maybe he doesn't want Alicia to find him is because he doesn't feel like he deserves love from Alicia. The most glaring example of that is that he loved the portrait after it was shattered and ripped and torn and bloodied because that's how he sees himself and he doesn't feel like any doesn't feel like he deserves the love from anybody because he's too or fractured. that's how he he really sees himself as maybe as a victim maybe he's really truly understanding what he always felt about himself that i've been the victim i i saw someone at the end looking at that portrait i saw someone who really hated themselves i saw mm-hmm. that in the beginning though too 
from the moment he looked back at that picture, I think I think he he saw what he really was to himself or what he thought he he saw in himself, and then he really saw what. Just like we we're saying about Alicia being that version of himself that reminds him about the good he could have been. I think he's trying for this thing to be the keeper of this tower, the the maker of history. And then when he actually sees what it is and what it's taking or what he th he, he doesn't recognize the person. That's not who I, I'm trying to be ugly to get this future. You're seeing me the way I'd like to see myself. But when he actually sees that version of himself, that's not the real me. He's obsessed with what he really sees himself as. And what he see he really sees himself is as why he, which is the same reason why he brings Morgan into the tower. He wants Morgan to tell him the bad person that he is. He that's the only person that he trusts to tell him the unvarnished truth. He wants Morgan to validate that he's God, the he's bad the guy. fucking most interesting person on the fucking Fear of the Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. He's the most interesting character on the Fear of the Walking Dead, bar none. Like I like Morgan Jones, but fuck. This is amazing. It's so complex mm -hmm. because he's he is so totally like us and yet he's so totally extra. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And I could finally say that now that I'm processing this fucking episode. Are you kidding me? And then it got you, Rachel, to feel bad for him. Right. That's What's amazing, happening? too. What world what are we living bizarre in? Bizarre world. <laughs> I don't know which way is up anymore. <laughs> and now... Uh, Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, well, look, I guess stranger things have happened. I mean, I've admitted that I, I don't like Iris. So, right? I mean, you know. I felt bad for Dakota. Right? Oh, my God. I felt bad for Dakota. <gasps> what does this show do to miracle, us? Miracle upon yeah. miracles. Uh, kitties, I got to bounce. It's dinner Ooh, time. Get your grub so on. I'm out of here. Guys, Sharon, has got to go do Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, we didn't. we can't end right here, but Ooh. see you later, Sharon. Thank you for being here. I will watch later and see all the shit you guys said about me when I was gone. Okay. <laughs> Text me when you're done with dinner and we'll 708 it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be like, sorry, guys. Dinner, I ate. Gotta I'm out of here. Balance. I got to go. <laughs> I got shit to do. 708. Seven, Love eight. you, Mom. Love kids. Peace. Yep. <laughs> see you guys. See you. Have a, have a good right, time. See you guys. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Bye, guys. Love, Love you. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's lean further into the whole Victor seeing himself. I think people see what he's trying to do. What what Sharonty and some of you, I think even you, Rachel, were was saying. What I think really he was trying to see would be at the other end of that telephone is Alicia. But I think I don't think it's literally what he wants. Like I think he wants somebody. He wants something that he can never have. Right? He sees himself and he and he doesn't recognize who that person is because. It, it's like he needs somebody to tell him who he really is, or he needs somebody who knows him to the point of, I, I know what you're trying to do, Victor, but that's not who you really are, let's say. He needs that. And so when he sees that portrait of himself, I think it really shakes him to the core. They know what I'm trying to do, but they don't see me in all my multivaried, multifaceted me. So we can all agree on that, right? But here's, the, here's where the problem happens, and this is, something, this is the thing that we need to discuss. That ripped up version of, of his portrait at the end. What do you think he sees in that version? Like what what is that? Now we said I said he's the victim, or he seems he's seeing himself as the victim he felt all along. But I it may not be just that. I think I think that whole scene could be very, very widely open to interpretation. I think every single person watching this episode is probably gonna see something different. And I think it's gonna depend on maybe how an individual feels about themselves 
uh, depending, you know, they might see something different based on how they feel about themselves, not just how they feel about Victor and what Victor's seeing. You know, oh, so if the you, viewer. Yeah, if the viewer puts themselves in That's strands. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, I. I tend, I tend to do that, like, or I try to anyway, like, if that were me, if I were standing in that position right now, what would I see? What do I think he's feeling? What would I feel? And what I saw was him seeing the ugliness, like this painting was broken and shredded and blood splatter all over it. It was ugly. I mean, to, to put it simply, he saw ugliness. And I think that's what he sees in himself. I think he hates himself. And so this torn up shredded portrait of himself was probably the closest thing to what he's feeling and how he sees himself but that's that's what i saw i think everyone is going to see something different here i think it wasn't necessarily about what he saw in himself but more about how he wants other people to perceive him i think he wants he wants people to look at that painting and be scared of Mm. him and kind of like to live under his system they need to fear me in some ways Mm. okay okay that, that definitely and, it, and, put... it, and it's like what he was saying, um, you know, when they were when he was like ill and he was like, um, I'm actually trying to save this this place and like what everyone thinks of me. So he thinks that's what everyone thinks of him, almost. Yeah. What does he say? Despite what or like uh, oh, the critics? Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah when he let says, it be known that I something. Yeah. That that line, right? Yeah. That's what I, I can't remember the exact words. <laughs> me either, but I think I know what the line you're talking about. Yeah. Or that I actually care about what happens to this place or something like that. Yeah, what was it yeah. Dis- despite or the pe- or the people yeah. in this place. Yeah, despite despite my critics kind of thing. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. This is why it's so hard because we can't. It's hard to articulate the 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 duality of knowing that you have to do ugly things to keep people safe. Maybe that's it. And I, I'm trying to get as close as possible to what it is before flying into the sun. But like, <laughs> but like the idea of like. Can anybody possibly understand what it means to be Victor? And hmm, try not to say, no, try not to toot my own horn when I say this, because it's not meant to be. But one of the big things, I've, I said something really reachy <laughs> in, in a prior episode, and I think it was the first one where I said, of this season, where I said, um, think about what it must be like to be Victor Strand, having to scrap all your life being alone to rely only on yourself. This is in defense of yeeting will, right? But like, it, well more about in defense of anything Victor does from this point forward. Think think about what it must be like to, to rely on your instincts alone. And because of, and, I, and I, I couldn't attribute to what it was that he had to do this pre-apocalypse, but like, I assumed that he couldn't rely on anybody because something had happened to him. I said something to the effect of, there was nobody he could rely on, rely on but himself. And what what is a person like that? How is a person like that supposed to know what love is when he it comes to his doorstep. How how is a person like that that's had to survive alone? What is he what does he know what love feels like? And what does he know about having to work towards that love? Right? Case in point, Cole, like you said. Like what does it mean to keep, hold on to that to to compromise or to to uh to do things you don't want to do or do things counter to your nature in order to keep that love, right? So which is what made me feel bad. This this is in the context of making me feel bad about about Victor Strand. Like, why do I feel so much for Victor Strand? Because I, 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 and I don't see, I never see him as a victim. I never have until this episode because Morgan tried to poison him. But, <laughs> not just because, but like, in addition to him having to survive for so long and then feel like he has to revert to this character, 
Well then, one of the characters whom we thought was one of the most morally virtuous is descending to the point where he feels like he has to destroy somebody who he may even perceive is evil. And so what does that make Victor feel about himself? I don't think Victor thought Morgan would ever regard Victor as evil. I don't think he thought Morgan thought that he was an evil guy. Is that accurate? Do you think, does it, do you feel yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He may not like me very much. He may think I'm a bad, kind of like what everybody else is saying. He may think I'm a bad guy, but evil. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't all life precious, Morgan? Isn't all life, isn't, doesn't everybody deserve a second chance, Morgan? Kind of, because that's the way we see Morgan, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think there's been any like truly evil characters except maybe Teddy. Yeah. And maybe Alpha. And even, <laughs> well, and even fear. him. He snookered us for a little while too. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah, I'm fear, right? How about Martha? Right. <laughs> snookered us. <laughs> she was even a victim of circumstance. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Uh and but Victor is what was one of our protagonists. You know? I had a question. And maybe there's a very simple answer. The walker that they launch at the tower, the one that makes it through the window. Why didn't he explode? Immediately? Oh, it was just a regular walker, wasn't it? No, it was an exploding walker. Yeah, why didn't he explode? I don't know, maybe he was on a timer. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't meant to explode on impact. I mean, I don't know. Seems like the first one did. But did it? I mean, it kind of seems like it. Hit the side of the building and then went boom. Well, it hit the side of the building. There was a hang time. It was like a cartoon character, too, which made it even funnier, right? It went, <laughs> right? And then, and then it took a couple seconds, right? And then it, you know, then it went boom, right? I think there's the timing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it had, it had too long a fuse, let's say. Maybe all of them have too long a fuse. It's possible, right? I don't remember seeing a fuse at all. Well, meaning a timer. Like, you know, it looked like it looked like they had little alarm clocks in their bellies. <laughs> Did they? This yeah. seems like a lot. This seems like a lot of work. It would be much simpler to create an explosion on impact than it would be to to find timers for all of these walkers. You know, I sort of agree. I, I say here's why I agree. And I'll tell you why I disagree. Wait, <laughs> this is sweet and sour. I agree because one of the things I noted in my notes was that even Arno admits that many men were sacrificed to make these walkers because as soon as people touched the radioactive material, that was their death knell. That was their mm-hmm. fate. But why I disagree is that, okay, is Arno, is Arno that desperate to risk killing themselves to the point where... Because just like Dory not being able to shoot the walkers, right? Or without possibly detonating them and then endangering the facility right i don't think arno also wants to detonate the facility to the point like he wants to give strand a chance to give up the tower so they can live in it or at least allow them to live in it or take over the tower he doesn't want i don't think he his goal is to to destroy everything like the shelter like the twilight zone the shelter episode i think that's his ultimate goal if if it comes down to it i think he's willing to go there but like even for, let's take that even further though. Does Arno want to to take down the tower to the point where it would mean risking all the lives of people trying to catapult the walkers? No. So of course he's going to give enough of a fuse so that they don't blow in their faces. So that makes sense to me. Give give it enough time so that there's no like let's say it, it flips backwards on the catapult. They have enough time to run away. <laughs> like, they have a good ten seconds to run away. From from the uh, from the explosion, I th- I think that's that's what I think. Okay, I mean that's that's, I I mean I can swallow that, but yeah. I, it would be a lot more work to to do that, but not impossible to do that. Yeah, 
well, think of think of how much work it took to make the catapult. <laughs> He's like, he is an engineer. He's like a carpenter. So, which is I like that little factoid, but mm-hmm. that goes into the catapult. Mm-hmm. Each individual walker would need their own timer, so it would be a lot of work. It would be a lot of work getting all of those supplies and necessary equipment to make a timed detonation in the walker bellies. Yeah, but not I think impossible that's- though. Right. I think that, but it also goes to show, and I think that's something that we need to, that's one of the biggest things we need to take away from all these episodes is how desperate people are becoming, even our protagonists. Mm -hmm. If everybody's going to hail Mary, they're going to do it right. You know, they're, they're going to risk and kill some people along the way. So let's say Arno and his people, which are now gone, probably mostly, right? They look all dead. (laughs) Seems like it. (laughs) Yeah. But, um. Maybe not Arno. We might see him again. Maybe, yeah. He looks too pretty he has a to, name, to kill so. on impact. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's a decent looking fella. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. That's what people do. Shows do this thing. I don't know. They, they, they're too pretty. They, you can't get rid of them right away. Apparently. <laughs> Let's talk about Alicia, though, for a second. So we do see Alicia at the end of this episode. Similar to what Strand's proposal was for Morgan. Strand wanting Morgan to come in to show, to show him the version of him that he's looking for, right? We all agree with that. Alicia comes in the same way, if not also interrupted by exploding walkers. The little symmetry going on here between Victor and Alicia right now. Alicia comes in and says, hey, I brought you here because I needed your help. We never get to hear what that help. What Same with Victor. Technically, Victor never really does tell him why he brought him in. Same with Alicia. Doesn't really tell him why, why he needed to bring him in. What do you think Alicia needs Morgan for? I don't expect an answer. I don't. But like at the I, same time, the question help, itself help is worrying. Padre. Padre. Maybe. But what is... What, well, they're not going to bring up Padre if it's not like got like a long-term thing. She um, makes it She makes it seem, though, that he specifically has something that Alicia wants. What could that be? It's literally something he has. <laughs> Right. <laughs> she wants to launch more nukes. <laughs> On strand. Yeah. <laughs> I brought you here because I need your help. What does Morgan have that Alicia wants? Hmm. The only thing I can think of is a sub. And like you said, the keys maybe to the nukes or I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I can't I, imagine what it is. I have zero thoughts or theories on that. I have no idea what Morgan could possibly maybe have she that Alicia just, Maybe she just wants to get the gang back together. <laughs> maybe. So the people... Is it, it could be the people. Maybe she wants baby Mo for some reason. Maybe children are the future. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm really grasping right now. I didn't. That just popped in my head. Maybe, I don't. Maybe, I don't even know if I actually believe it. Maybe they need babies to find Padre. <laughs> it's like, only babies can tell where it comes from. Just hold up baby Mo into the radioactive wind. Uh, uh, um, roll. <laughs> at the end of the episode, though, when you saw Dumb. Rachel, Rachel did it remind you of Lexa. Oh, oh right. Right. I yes. In all the garment. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I. I am not even gonna lie. I squealed a little bit when I heard her voice. <laughs> and you heard even it though, loud and clear too. That was it, definitely ADR. Oh, <laughs> even though I expected it to be her. Like I'm like, oh, here, here she comes, here she comes. But then I heard her voice, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all the little hairs down your spine kind of went. Nip. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So excited. 
Mm. Now, it looks like we're not going to get answers right away because it looks like we are going to get a flashback for the next episode of what it, what it was like to live in the bunker for Alicia I, or to be in the bunker. I saw kind of a back and forth, though, because we see the in the bunker and then we also see Alicia back at the camp that they're at, too. So I wonder if it'll be a half and half or maybe just the last few minutes will be in the present time. One of the things that we'll, I predicted that we would not see Alicia until this episode and now we, did, we didn't job. see her at the, at the very end. How, how do you feel about that? Just, I don't know. <laughs> Getting the show that we've, ha- we've gotten thus far has been pretty great. But there may have, there, there are some people who may have felt like, why didn't we get to see Alicia sooner? Could be COVID filming, fine. But like, how do you feel about it? Like, uh, let's start I, with Jasmine. Yeah, please, Jasmine. I called it COVID filming because she was there directing. I think that was for the second half of the season, though, if I'm not mistaken. No, There's she a, the, just directed. Yeah. A reclamation? Reclamation, thank yeah. you. Oh, I thought it was, okay, I thought it was an episode in the second half. Okay, well, look, there you go. Well, maybe more than one, but she definitely did reclamation. Okay. I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that we didn't see her, because it was like a nice build-up, to be honest. I mean, I like Alicia, but I'm not like a hardcore Alicia fan. Hmm, okay, okay. But I could understand if you are a hardcore Alicia fan, it would be kind of frustrating not to see her for seven episodes. Like, if I didn't it, see June until this episode, I'd be mad. Yeah, and this and this also kind of touches on our anthology episode critique, what it's feeling like it's turning into. But now it, well, okay, so maybe in light of that critique, do you feel like this episode opened things up a bit more than the last several? Because the last several were kind of narrow and isolated, you know, more anthology, where this one was a bit more of an ensemble, would you say? Or... What do, you, what do you think, yeah, uh, this, one, this one was definitely less. As a hardcore Alicia fan, I have definitely been disappointed not to see her more often throughout the season. However, I do understand the COVID protocols and all of that. And like I've said before, I want everyone to be safe and healthy and all of that stuff. So I get why they have to do it this way. But in my guts, yeah, it does hurt not to see Alicia more often. Because to me, she is one of our main characters, if not the main character. So to not see her for so many episodes is concerning and kind of a bummer for me. <laughs> but I but I can understand why. Do do we know if they're intending to continue the anthology approach into the second half of season seven? This might just be new COVID protocols. I mean, they might we don't, have yeah, to we do don't know it anything like this yeah. now. I, I don't I don't know if this is intentional or not now. I mean, maybe this is like the new normal. I don't, Wait, I don't I, know. I'm under the impression that it's no longer about COVID. That it's just like, this is how it's going to be now. Even last year, when they were doing the anthology episodes, there was still a semblance of, and maybe this was because it was the first several episodes, that there was still an ensemble feel to some of the episodes. Like, you'd have these two pairs of people traveling into the universe, and we would touch on other people along the way, and we would interact with them. These last few episodes have been much more isolated. Honestly, I don't think it's intentional. I think we're dealing with people as a product of their environment. Do you know what I mean? So... I think if it comes off as more anthological, is that the word? <laughs> Let's just say it is a word. Sounds real. <laughs> Anthology-like, uh, then it's not intentional, but it's a byproduct. No, because clearly the, they can have these ensemble episodes too. Cause, but the writers were saying that they, well, they'd like the anthology approach and that they want it to stick with it. I I didn't I didn't I didn't hear anything to to that effect, but I'm sure I, I, I'm sure I, I was listening to an interview and they said. Something Along that line. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, so if that's the case, choice that they're doing. I, yeah, I think personally, I think I'm not a big fan of the anthology style episodes. I, I think they have their importance here they, and there, yeah. but not to do it every time is exhausting. I'm I'm okay with it as long as you can bring in the ensemble here and there. 
Do you know what I mean? Like like in yeah. this episode, I feel like we did bring in I, much I just, more people. I think I think it works really well a lot, but it also doesn't like in some episodes. Like like the Al episode, for example, I felt like that felt drawn out, and mm-hmm. it could have been like mixed in with something else. Mm. Or, or with some side story, even. Like, yeah. did it have to be about? I don't know. I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but like at the same time, I I I, I get the the fatigue of it, which links us back to what the original question, which is seeing Alicia after this long, almost feels like. For me, though, when I saw Alicia, they, I felt like they made it more. They made it more of a payoff. I'll say why. I'll tell you why I think it worked in our favor because when we saw Alicia in season five, it almost felt like she was an afterthought. Right? We had that feeling that, oh, we're underutilizing Alicia, I think, a little bit too much. I think in this season, they may want to go for the full effect. Because I, I think to the point of season six, I feel like they, they said, okay, here's Alicia. She's just as important as everybody else. Her episode damage on the inside had weight to it. Instead of throwing her in for into these episodes for the sake of throwing her in, I feel like it, there was much more of an impact. So like, okay, the holding was a good one. Damage from the inside was a good one. So instead of putting her on screen for the sake of putting her on screen, now it feels like every scene she's in or every episode she's in has an impact. So then yeah. we, when we see her at the end of this episode, there's a bit of a payoff. Now, all of this is to say the next episode has to have that payoff, which we're probably going to watch today because we're monsters. <laughs> so, I'm not, I'm so if it... Tomorrow. uh well, I who knows I with me. I, I may not even watch it today. <laughs> I may not even. But whatever happens next is going to determine whether we the way we feel currently like so we'll take whatever happens in the future and, and base that on our previous opinions and say oh was it a payoff or are you planning on doing the same shit you did in season five mm. where oh it's painting trees alicia mm, don't care <laughs> where's rick you know where's alicia <laughs> i didn't know that the don't care where's rick was like a real thing until oh, i was yeah. watching season seven when negan actually says it and i was like oh my god that's what it's from <laughs> i get it now Olivia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't care. Where's Rick? Where's Rick? Yep. I thought it was just a thing that people said. I didn't even realize it was Negan's line. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, it was Negan's line. <laughs> Everybody repeats it. So uh, don't He's care. He's very quotable. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It's it's so funny the way he says it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just cuts it right off. Why do the bad yeah. guys always get the best lines? <laughs> oh, Negan has so many good lines. Like, yeah. rewatching season seven, it's, like, insane. I'm like, I, I miss Negan. Aside from Victor being the most interesting character, I feel like Howard is, is definitely shaping up to be very, very interesting to watch now. Because you know how some people have singular focus in these in these series, right? They, they're focused on a singular thing. Viewers or characters? In... Sorry, I meant characters. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, also, also viewers, right? Right, that's why I wanted to clarify. <laughs> you know the same applies to them what happens when you take away the one thing they're focused on or so let's say characters what happens when you take away that goal of achieving history take that away from howard what happens to him i'm curious what if the tower isn't viable anymore oh like they have to leave yeah right Mm. what do you do now right what is your life find another tower (laughs) but we've seen this before like you if you keep trying this is the Morgan problem, right? This is the Morgan problem is you keep trying to do or recreate the circumstances of, well, like Ed Gain, but like it, like in damage on the inside, but like Morgan typically would keep doing what he, he needed to do or what he was supposed to do until somebody tells him finally, no, knock it off, please don't do it. 
this is why I, I follow him very closely now. I'm like, oh, I'm seeing a, a human side to this person. Now I'm seeing what motivates him is, is the making of history. And we're teaching Strand almost to the point what it means to make history. Oh, they're going to make a martyr out of him. History tells us not to do that. <laughs> Just, Victor, don't do it. So like, oh, okay, that's pretty human. I mean, he's bringing some value to the table here. Don't, don't kill this guy. It'll not work in your favor. People will turn against you. History won't like that very much. Oh, small potatoes here, but when you saw Victor vomiting up all that gobbledygook, <laughs> did it not look like paint? Yeah, that was it, my first thought. Right? But it is blue. It is, but it was, there was other colors in the vomit. Mm-hmm. It was gross, but beautiful at the same. It was impressionistic. My first thought was paint, and I'm like, oh, oh, she'd kill she the painter. I'm like, how did he ingest paint? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, like, oh, it's all Juliana's fault. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Can I can I just point out that methylene blue, like the word, like that's not a poison. That's not something you think. Right, I'm gonna poison someone. You know, what I'm gonna use methylene blue. <laughs> Right. It's a pretty normal thing. That's that's what I was... Oh, what is it what, used for? Okay, I'm so not familiar. I, I, have, I have it here, but I'd like to hear Jasmine's tea on this one. Yes. If you have it. If you don't have it, I, I, I can do it. I, I mean, I, what, 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 what do you want to know? What is it used for? Oh, so I've used it before um, in my chemistry class um, as an indicator, but it's also it also has like a medical use for only in small doses. I don't Methylomglobinemia. Yeah, I don't remember the exact medical condition. Is it something uh, to do with your blood? So yeah, when your when your blood turns chocolate brown, uh, it actually oxygen it it's oxygen therapy for your blood essentially. Right. Yeah. Is it? Could, could it be classified as like a blood thinner? <laughs> no. no. So basically, your hemoglobin count is elevated, or your metha metha he, Let me just say it right. I have it written <laughs> down. Yeah, that your methemoglobin is is elevated, and so your blood so. It's kind of clumps. It turns more dark because the f- iron in your blood is kind of. I want to say it's turning against you. It's turning ferrous. I want okay. to say this right. Okay. And so when you it introduce, um, yeah. So you know, you, you iron is what you actually use to transport your oxygen. So it like yeah. helps. So it. I think it's. Um, I think it. I don't know. They. I, I. I wish I'd researched this now because I don't know exactly what the drug does. But if it ups your um, oxygen is going to up your uh, hemoglobin levels, you're going to up your iron levels, or either that or it's going to up your ability for your hemoglobin cells to absorb the oxygen. Is right. it? Can it be fatal in large doses? Yeah, but not really. More than a small vial full to do anything? I'll put it this way, they happily give a big fucking bottle of it to some high school students. So... Oh gosh. Huh. So I wonder why they chose this as the method of I, yeah, I would, I, if I was going to poison someone, or if I was going to write a show where someone poisons someone, I would not pick that chemical. So here's the passable reason, and even that doesn't satisfy me so much. The reason that June says. She says, it's possible that they gave you this instead of Prussian blue, right? The, the, the rangers found this instead of Prussian blue, and maybe you mistakenly took it. So that's why your death is unexplained. Hmm. That's yeah, the passable I, 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 reason. I, I think that they were like, ooh, let's pick something with a bright color so it can be obviously identified as well. <laughs> right. Okay. One of the things we learned about Prussian blue is it has the, a similar byproduct at the very least. Like, it's meant so that when you, when you poop out the radiation or the radioactive material or the radiated guts in your body, it comes out blue or greenish blue. 
so it doesn't make it's not so strange when this poison makes it in his body because he's barfing up greenish blue he's barfing up he's pooping probably we don't know but he's pooping greenish blue his sweat is supposed to be also greenish greenish blue as well as something i also put down too and now this is what gets me because i just i found this stuff while i was getting my notes just before i came on and this is why it's stuck in my craw that like god but was morgan trying to kill victor was he trying to do that because what they're what you're supposed to do with um Methylene blue, yeah. If you t- if you take a rather large dose of it, it will make you feel sick. It'll give you anxiety. But it's supposed to be taken intravenously. That's my point. Is what I was gonna say. Like not in the through the mouth. Hmm. Yeah, through If it was done intravenously, he would have had something. Now we're not claiming that Morgan knows exactly what he needs to do to poison Strand. Also, maybe that's just the way to explain that away. But it it is a little bit of a risky thing to do when you don't really know like what it is exactly that you're giving someone right just be like hey i found this chemical lying around let me just put it in strand's drink (laughs) which hopefully hopefully it'll kill him (laughs) which either proves that it makes sense that it was only morgan's doing and morgan's not thinking rationally or i don't know the only thing that i can think of to make sense out of all this is Morgan wants a safe place for his child, and so he's willing to kill Victor to to achieve some sort of safe place for his child. And so he's getting desperate. The only thing that makes sense to me. Because he, he says all those things throughout this episode. He says, I would do worse to you if you did something bad to I would, whatever Arno does, I'll do ten times worse. Or Do you know what I mean? Holding baby Mo, saying it's my child, it's my child, you know? My baby. My baby. Yeah. The only thing, only way it can make sense. Make sense. And there's and, and there's argument to say that like you know making Morgan and Grace and everyone else stay outside is directly causing harm to the baby in the long term. Like the ladies, I wouldn't put all that on Victor. It is cruel. From what Morgan's thinking, it's like you are to oh, oh, oh. my baby safe okay. harbor. Right, right. In that black and white ethics sort of right. You not making a decision is still a decision. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Right, a decision to not do good, which Morgan can't understand, right? I'm not you, you know? I don't understand your problem. Morgan, just before um, he's about to pull Victor up uh, and they're talking about Alicia and finding her together, he says, what does your gut tell you? And Victor says that his gut is telling him that we'll find her together. And then he sees the blue paint. What does that tell you? On the, He sees the blue, methyl blue, methylene blue on his thumb. What does that tell you about Victor's gut? <laughs> it's like wrong it's dead wrong or that maybe it's right but is your gut ultimately the thing that that matters right can you trust your gut alone had victor not found morgan out and then morgan just like and 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 survived it and then morgan kind of like just never mentioned it again i think they would have worked together so maybe his gut his gut wasn't wrong but if it had been 12 hours earlier his gut would have been wrong well, I mean, no, it's kind of like, again, it's like we're, this is what proves Victor's spooky beta shit wrong, right? Is that his gut told him that, yeah, we're meant to find Alicia together, but then he instantly sees that he's been betrayed by, by Morgan. That now it's not just about honesty or, or it's, sorry, it's not about him being honest with him. It's about, uh, it doesn't matter that he's honest with him. I think Victor's instinct initially to not let Morgan in was the right one. It was the instinct that he was supposed to follow. And yet again, it's like the one time he didn't listen to his gut, he let Morgan in it and, and it cascaded into this whole, I mean, it's not Morgan's fault necessarily, 
that the whole episode cascaded the way it was. But gosh, I mean, one can argue even that had Arno not showed up, I, Morgan probably would have succeeded, I think. What do you guys think? Why? No, because he still would have thrown up the blue stuff. Would he have? I almost think like... I mean, put, like, why why would the circumstances going on around them affect the effects of the poison? I almost think, like, having a third party intervene almost threw Victor off. Well, I don't know. No, maybe I'm, I'm proving myself wrong. Huh. Had Arno not showed up with his gang, it's possible that, oh, then Morgan would have never gotten away with it. Yeah. I don't know. So that's that's but it's still it's still remarkable that he gets people right more often than not. I think I think that is something to be said about it. Just he can't get Morgan right now anymore. I think maybe he thought Morgan was predictable too. To be fair, D- Morgan don't we all? Morgan's actions are very out of character this episode from what we know of Morgan. Some especially this season. Especially from the point that Victor last saw Morgan, because obviously Victor hasn't witnessed what him has happened to Morgan between like the submarine and coming here with his daughter. Right, he doesn't, he, right. he, Victor might not even realize how how bad it is out there, really, because he's in a he hasn't had to live out there. It's true. He goes out when he feels like it, and then he goes back to the tower when he's done with his business. Yeah. Like he he'll he'll know it's hard, but he won't. He doesn't even do that. <laughs> he did that with Will, and it was mentioned in the first episode that he never leaves the tower. Nah, I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Nah. Why would I leave? Yeah, I got everything I need here. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Just one like time he leaves. I feel like every single episode we get Victor to do something he's not, he doesn't want to do. So, and this is one of them. He, he leaves the tower with Will, and then he almost gets himself into a mess of trouble. But had he not done that, he wouldn't have found out Alicia's still alive, the Padre thing, whatever. Same thing with, with Morgan. He does the one thing that he, he, he doesn't normally do. He, for one second, he doesn't trust his gut because he wants something from Morgan. It's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to... Sh- Mm, gut, go to the side. I want something for Morgan. But then it cost him. It almost cost him his life. Interesting. And which is why him going mad at the end of it makes sense. It really does make sense. Everything I know, do I know which way is up? I don't know. Well, doesn't matter. I'm going to trust my gut from now on. So we're going to see like a Fidel Castro version of Strand that I... We may start moving into territory that... Whereas first I thought Strand was very, very interesting because we were on a line and we could see him go this way or that. I'm not sure if I'm gonna like the Strand or recognize the Strand that we'll see from this point forward. I, I don't, what, do you, what do you guys think at this point? Nothing Strand does surprises me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's predictable in his unpredictability. In the inside the episodes, I don't know the name of the guy. Chambliss? Goldberg? Mind. I think it's Chambliss. Yeah. The guy that does the inside the episode. It basically said we're gonna see Strand get a lot worse next season. Or for the well, remainder. Next half season. Next right, half, right. half season. Oh boy, <sighs> I feel bad, and now you do too. And with that, everybody, now that we feel <laughs> terrible inside, thank you for watching this episode. If you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Just give us five stars and eggplant. It's all we need to know that you love us, but yeah, you know, you can write a little bit more. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like, but tell us after every episode because it really, really helps with visibility every episode. Get it through your thick skulls! <laughs> what am I? I'm like berating you. <laughs> if you really like what you heard, head over to ko-fi.com squawkingdead and just follow us. You don't need to buy us a coffee for 30 days of supported back content. You don't need to sign up for a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month, but it'll let you know what we're doing behind the scenes. If we're planning a recording session and then cancel, then <laughs> plan another one. <laughs> 
sort of commit to that, you'll know immediately and you can jump in by tipping us and getting 30 days of access to our support of that content. Or you can join a membership tier for a dollar a month, $12 a year, but it's really more of a signal to let us know that you support our journey. You're supporting where we're going and you kind of want to know how we're doing. You want to gauge our mental state. You want to make sure we're not painting ourselves and then tearing those paintings up and then saying, huh, this looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's why you do that. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, and Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, who is celebrating Thanksgiving right now. And of course, Survivors Tier member, Jasmine, who sort of gave us the tea today. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the next one, which is the mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. See you very soon, I hope. Take care. We'll see, and for those of you who are in the unedited episode recordings or in the chat, I have no idea. Uh, we'll see you in a couple hours. Yep. <laughs> it's a very fun Sunday. Good to see you. <laughs> see you guys later. Bye. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode, the seventh episode the seventh season of Fear the Walking Dead, titled The Portrait, a very Victor Morgan struggle-esque episode. Uh, if you like what you heard, he- always head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Dead and leave us five stars in eggplant. That's all we really need to know that you love us, but let us know what you liked. Let us know what you didn't like, but let us know, period, after every episode. It really, really helps. And... Uh, We wanted to let you know who this episode was brought to you by. Obviously, we start with our highest tier, the Survivors tier members, namely jasmine.iec on Instagram, who was co-hosting with us as well for the first time on our Fear the Walking Dead coverage, as well as uh, at BelizaJones71 and at WhispersUK, Darren, my main man, Darren. Uh, and let's not forget about our Whispers tier members. They really bring it in the Discord <laughs> more than anywhere else. Uh, that would be at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore at Fanart underscore Lindy on Instagram, both of them on Instagram. At Tyler Philip, Co- sorry, at Tyler Philip Cox uh, on both Instagram and Twitter. He has a YouTube channel called Let's Talk About the Dead. And last but not least, judith.morton on instagram excellent photographer what am i even talking about well membership tiers are a way of supporting the podcast but it's also a way of getting perks namely uh credits at the end of these episodes but of course if you're in the survivors tier you get to host along with us in our episode breakdowns uh whispers tier members and survivors tier members also receive 50 percent off in our merch store upon request uh as well as Uh, let me see (laughs) well full access to our discord of course various channels uh, of discussion uh, inside the inside track on basically what we're even thinking uh, on any given day and you know the ability to have access to us at any given moment but don't be deterred by this when you head over to ko-shabai.com slash squawking dead you can do one of three things i urge you to do the first thing which is just follow us when you follow us, you know when our episode recording session links drop. 
the unedited episode recordings if you can't make those recording sessions in the chat uh, as well as just any general cool things that we're doing like Jackbox game sessions uh, as well as uh, watch parties, Dave reacts recordings uh, and just various cool experimental things that are happening behind the scenes we only post them on ko-fi.com slash dead now the next thing you could do is if you do see something that you like and you want to join in on you can tip us for three dollars and you'll get 30 days of supported back content meaning any locked posts will be unlocked effectively or you can just as easily join a membership tier you don't have to join the whispers tier right away you don't have to join even the survivors tier there's only two spots left anyway you can join the walkers tier for as little as a dollar a month that's only twelve dollars a year and honestly if it was about the money we're not making that much (laughs) because here's the thing it's really about sending us a signal just a little nod that says hey we're interested in what you're doing and we want you to keep going that's really all it is and obviously your support gives you access to us so that you can guide the show because we are squawking dead i've been your host david cameo and i was joined by sharon D. aka blazy gardener and cosmom zero and i rachel burt as well as survivors tier member jasmine who gave us a little bit of that jasmine's tea in any case i will see you for the next recording which is probably going to be fear the walking dead's mid-season finale can't wait and i hope to see you there too